Welcome to Prescott Valley Public Library's new podcast series, Checking Out the Neighborhood. Ever wonder about who is in your neighborhood or community? Do you miss the old front porch conversations? Join hosts Deborah Finkston and Michelle Yorting as they discover the story of who is here. Join them monthly with new neighbors for each episode. Let's get started checking out the neighborhood. Checking out the neighborhood, episode three. Who is Tattooist Tony Carey? Welcome. This is Prescott Valley Public Library's Checking Out the Neighborhood podcast. This series of podcasts um, hope to provide you with an insider view of local businesses and the people that are just right next door. As it says, checking out the neighborhood. My name is Deborah Finkston, and I work for Prescott Valley Public Library as the um, adult services library assistant. Um, but I am not sitting here alone. I am with Michelle Yorting. I am the adult services librarian at Prescott Valley Public Library. And um, if we sound a little different, as we said on the last episode, um, we're trying to be respectful of the coronavirus and do social distancing. So we have our guest again today on the laptop. And actually, Michelle and I are in my living room because of the times that we had to work for this interview. Um, It's after hours. So um, if you hear a little echo, be prepared for that. Also, if you hear a dog, that's Dottie the Basset Hound snoring on the couch. I promise you it's not Michelle. <laughs> um, so again, thank you for coming to Checking Out the Neighborhood. This is episode three. And our special guest that we're going to be talking with today is Tony Carey, a local tattooist. And um, I am excited to have Tony. This was a great idea from Michelle. Um, Michelle wants to get a tattoo somewhat someday, and I do have tattoos, and I can proudly say that Tony did all of my tattoos. Nice. So, um, why don't we get rocking? Okay. Okay. Tony, you want to introduce yourself? Sure. Uh, my name's Tony Carey. I work at Holdfast Tattoo in beautiful downtown Prescott, Arizona. Um, I've been tattooing for coming up on 20 years and I've been at Holdfast for 15 of those 20 years. Holy moly. I can't believe you're that old. (laughs) Oh, I am. (laughs) My uh, gray beard would suggest otherwise. Well, and I need to throw in that Michelle, Tony, and I all live in the same neighborhood too. So that's kind of funny. Oh, she's in Diamond Valley too? I am. I'm just right down the... The road from Deborah. And That's awesome. there is a tattoo tradition if you do live in Diamond Valley to get a diamond tattoo. Which Correct. um so you're you're ready, Michelle. Do you have a diamond? I need to get ah. I need to get three diamonds. Are we doing it every for every ten years? <laughs> <laughs> that, would, that would be scary. <laughs> so Tony, um why don't you share a little bit of history? about tattooing. I think everybody knows what tattoos are, but maybe you can say what a tattoo is and maybe a brief history. Well, uh, we, you and I have kind of discussed this at length and tattoo history is kind of vague. Uh, there's a lot of unknowns about that because of the nature of tattoos being marked within human flesh. The record, uh, becomes kind of spotty because, uh, 
getting back to ancient history, there isn't much beyond just mummified flesh. Um, and there is some, some really good examples of that, but it only goes back maybe about 5,000 years. Um, and it's presumed that tattooing dates back uh, much further than that. Um, but there isn't a recorded history of it. Now, if I remember correctly on our research, there was the frozen, a frozen gentleman um, in the Alps, and he had tattoos. Correct. Uh, his nickname is Uti, and uh, they found his remains in the Italian Alps. And uh, they call him the Italian Iceman or the, the, the Italian Caveman. Um, and he had, I believe, over 60 indelible marks within his skin um, for reasons that is only guessed as to why he wore those tattoos. Uh, there was speculation that a lot of the marks seemed to be over joints and that potentially it was some sort of uh, treatment or a re remaining uh, mark from some sort of treatment for potentially like rheumatoid arthritis or that type of thing. Uh, as just rudimentary uh, carbon remains from hot sticks being poked into the skin, potentially. Uh, but but it's, who's to say? They could have been deliberate, too. It's, it's hard to speculate. Well, and each um, culture has their own type of tattoo. But let's do a huge jump because we try to keep our podcasts, you know, at a small level. Let's just jump. And the history of tattooing in the United States starts where? Um, electric tattooing was around turn of the century, so around 1900. I believe the first patent for the electric tattoo machine was 1901, but they were doing hand poke tattooing previous to that. And there was even a couple tattoo shops or parlors before electric tattooing became popular. Um, so like dating back to like Civil War era. Um, and then moving forward, once electric tattooing took off, it, uh, it definitely skipped ahead at a, you know, a, a increasing rate. And there started to be tattoo shops popping up across the country, mostly related to like military bases because the military uh, found a, f a favor with tattooing uh, early on in its history. Well, and we did do a podcast, uh, Tony and I did, on tattoos. And I will tell you, what, when we had one that was on um, the military and asking them why they did it, it uh, one of the comments, and there were a lot, but one of the comments that really um, stuck in my brain was that in the military, you wear the same uniform. You do, it's lockstep. It's, you know, they, they want you to be a unit. But when you get a tattoo, that's individual. That makes and sense. And that makes you individual. And I, I, you know, I remember that comment. Right. Yeah, definitely. So I um, don't know as much as you guys do about tattooing. So when did color tattoo, when was color introduced to the tattoo process? Uh, so, I mean, it, it's hard to say where it first came from, but I would say one of the, the pioneers that really pushed it forward was uh, a name, a man by the, the name of Norman Keith Collins, also known as Sailor Jerry. And uh, he isn't the first to use it. He probably wasn't, wasn't, uh, the uh the forefather of that but he brought some really bright colors to the table and uh it because of his connections and the people he was interacting with some of the first color made its way to japan through sailor jerry uh so it became more sort of international i think there was probably color tattooing happening in america and england probably around the same time and they were doing a lot of the, the kind of traditional american or traditional sailor style tattooing and then a man by the name of Kasul Oguri or Horihide 
was exchanging information with Sailor Jerry, and he got a hold of some of Sailor Jerry's colors. So he introduced it to, to Japanese style tattooing, which is pretty interesting. And what time period would that have been? Probably, well, probably 70s. 1970s, early really? 70s, late, late 60s, maybe. And there was color previous to that, but that's when it started really uh, gaining popularity and kind of making making jumps forward. When, I mean, obviously when I was a kid, I remember that the only people I ever saw that had tattoos were the people in the World Book Encyclopedia. <laughs> you know, I would lay on my belly and look through that. Or, like you said, military people, you know, uh, my dad's military friends and that. Now it's everywhere. So what do you think made that jump? So, you know, if color and all of that started in, you know, 60s, 70s, you know, now we see it a lot of places. When did it really take off? Well, I think modern tattooing had a bit of a renaissance period in like the 1990s and that's when it kind of started to cross over to different walks of life and professionals were getting tattooed more often and younger people were getting tattooed um and it really got pushed forward artistically at that time frame too it was pushing in a bunch of different directions realism um like pop surrealism all, all sorts of different styles were emerging and getting pushed to the their extremes um, and then for sure, inevitably, the uh, crossover to mainstream media, uh, the television shows, uh, it, it became more accessible to the masses. Um, and then probably social media even ha has a role in that. Oh, well, I don't want to I don't want to get on social media. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, why don't we take a quick break? And then when we get back, we'll talk more about tattooing and maybe local tattoos, and um, we'll go from there. Does that sound good, guys? Sounds great. All right. Sounds good to me. Join us on December 15th from 12 to 2 for a Safety First Privacy and Safety Online, a virtual live class in partnership with Oasis Everywhere. Registration is required. Also, on December 18th, we will see the return of the popular series, Arizona Speaks. This first program will be Nevertheless, She Persisted, Women Who Made a Difference on the Arizona Frontier. This is a virtual live program and registration is required. As always, please check the library calendar for additional classes and programs. Welcome back from the quick break to Tony Carey, uh, checking out the neighborhood. We're checking out our local tattooist, my favorite local tattooist. Uh, so we were talking about a brief history and we were jumping around and um, obviously we're to the current day where tattoos are, are everywhere. And, you know, I'm a grandmother. So the sheer fact that as a grandmother, I got tattoos, as a matter of fact, just recently with you, I sat in, um, in with you in your room with my granddaughter, my 18-year-old granddaughter, and we got tattoos together, which I sat there thinking, my mother is rolling in her grave right now. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> um, so, but it is becoming socially accepted for you to express yourself through tattoo. What? Yeah, and all of a sudden that becomes a, a, a bonding experience for you and your granddaughter too. 
Yeah. You know, for you to share that day with her, I guarantee she'll never forget. Yes, yes. Well, and I, a lot of people will ask me, did it hurt? And I always say, yes, you earn a tattoo. So anybody that you see with a tattoo, that is not a, uh, not a unpainful experience. Right. Uh, in so many ways, whether it's deliberate or not, it becomes something of a, a badge of merit. Uh, people see your tattoo and no matter how beautiful it is, there's always a, a certain level of acknowledging the fact that you endured some amount of uncomfort to, to wear that thing. And I, I think it can add, add some strength to a person too. Well, and we've talked that it's also healing. Um, my first tattoo was very healing for me. And the other day in the library, I was helping a woman on the uh, computers. She was a breast cancer survivor and she was looking to have a tattoo on her chest um, to commemorate this horrific experience. And when I started helping her with what she wanted, it was a very um, common thing I noticed. Have you ever? Absolutely. Uh, All sorts of people, um, whether on a conscious level or an unconscious level, seek to be tattooed for some sort of uh, therapeutic experience, uh, be it just a chance to sit down and unload some stuff on us verbally or, or, or the, the act of uh, sort of bringing their their either internal or physical pain to the surface. Uh, opening up that skin allows, allows something of a portal for energy to be released. And uh, I, I, would be, I would be a fool to not acknowledge that in my 20 years experience. I, I've definitely become more aware of that as of late. Can, um, you know, without names, but can you share a time maybe where something really touched you, that it was a healing tattoo? Um, I mean, it happens almost every week. And uh, I, I, I think I do a pretty good job of accommodating that. But at the same time, I've realized I have to put up some sort of energetic force field around myself. Otherwise, I carry the pain with me. Um, oh again, yes. Be it an actual physical or or, or just uh, some sort of emotional uh, type scenario, and, and I'm learning about that because my wife is is uh, becoming Reiki certified. She's already level one, but she's working on level two, and I, she's been able to explain uh, how she, a Reiki practitioner sort of prepares the room so as to not take on anyone's energy. Um, and I have a long way to go there, but even just acknowledging that's a thing has been helpful to me. Well, that may be, that would be an interesting tech, uh, podcast that down would. the road. Gosh, that, that would and be I, I for sure, Yeah. I, I've for sure been around tattooers that don't see it that way. And, uh, that's fine too. Uh, but I've come to acknowledge I'm probably something of an empath and I do carry that energy. So I, I have to be careful in that regard. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I know when I walk into the shop, which is downtown right next to Rosa's, I, I am a bull in a china shop. I am, I am the odd man out, obviously. Um, there's pictures around, there's things around. Um, and those pictures that you see in a tattoo shop, they're called flash, correct? Right. Yeah. Uh, Flash was traditionally the uh, the pre-prepared designs that hung on the walls. They were 
literally littering the walls of, of uh, old style tattoo shops in which the clients would come in and pick something off the wall and get it tattooed. Uh, we don't do that as much these days, but they're just kind of there to sort of evoke that old timey tattoo sentiment. Uh, most clients come in with specific ideas or reference ideas and we draw custom for them. But, uh, but certainly if someone was in a mood to collect something off the wall, we'd be happy to do it. Um, what would you say, um, and you and I have talked this before, but Prescott is a very uh, tattoo welcoming community. It is. Uh, I don't know that I have all the answer to, answers as to why that's the case, uh, but there's a lot of people walking around with a lot of tattoos in Prescott, big tattoos, uh, people of all ages, all walks of life. And uh, I, I've had that conversation before, and I was having a conversation with a friend of mine at one point in time, and I was just kind of uh, questioning as to why Prescott is such, such a, a favorable tattoo community. And he said, because Kenny and I put big tattoos on everybody. <laughs> it's true, we might have something to do with that, pushing our own agenda. <laughs> And that's only part of it, obviously. But yeah, Prescott's a, Prescott's a tattoo town. Well, and I've seen tattoos grow from um, just somebody getting a small little um, flower to now I see pieces. And is that, would that be what you call them, a piece? And, uh, because it's art, in my opinion, where it's covering their whole back or it's their whole arm. Is that becoming more commonplace or was, did that always exist? I think it's definitely become more commonplace. Definitely. People are sort of expanding their proverbial tattoo horizons. Well, Michelle, what tattoo do you think about? I was thinking about cherry blossoms. Yeah, great. That, that's a timeless image and uh, with, with great meaning in Japanese culture as well. What, do you, what does it mean? Uh, they are called sakura, and sakura are connected to springtime most japanese elements are connected to certain uh seasons and sakura are definitely springtime related because of the bloom in japan well the bloom here too but the bloom in japan is very revered and uh they also kind of represent um passing of time but but more so uh the transition from youth to all the way through life and passing uh so it kind of represents fleeting uh youthfulness Oh, um, sounds and, uh, perfect. <laughs> and, uh, they're definitely a, a very positive uh, image uh, that gets used in Japan a lot, not just in tattooing, in a, a lot of their art and culture. Is there anybody that you will not tattoo? Anybody that I won't tattoo? Or... I mean, if someone's super drunk or on drugs or something, I, I, I don't want to tattoo them. And we don't do any... Uh, gang stuff or like hateful stuff, you know, but other than that, we're pretty open. So I have, um, you know, a, a, a scar and I know that I have seen a lot of tattoos covering scars. And I originally had thought about that, but then, then I, I kind of shied away from that. But ha is that common do you think, or is that just something I, I made up? No, we, yeah, we, we definitely tattoo over scars. We, I mean, we tattoo over all sorts of interesting skin, you know, uh, the, the deal with scars is they have to be mature. You don't want to do them while they're fresh. But once they're settled, you can definitely tattoo over them. Uh, the texture remains, obviously. So if, if it's extensive, a lot of times uh, we'll sort of approach it as like a tattoo cover-up. 
in which we're using elements in the tattoo to sort of hide the scarring and or texture. Interesting. Now, I, I'm sure we will have some people out there that wonder how um, safe it is, uh, health-wise, cleanliness-wise. Um, what are some rules that you are required to follow um, for tattooing? Um, honestly, it's pretty straightforward. Uh, tattoo aseptic practice hasn't changed a whole lot over the years. Uh, you know, single-use needles, single-use everything you use to set up, uh, anything. Honestly, it's gone more towards uh, disposable everything. We used to use uh, reusable stainless tubes, in which case they were scrubbed out and autoclaved, which is the same as any sort of medical equipment. Uh, but I think everyone at the shops uses are mostly disposable now anyway. So everything's single-use, everything's sterile. Uh, of course, gloves with every procedure. Um, it's easy. Honestly, it's pretty easy. Once you get taught basic aseptic practice, you do the same thing over and over again. It just becomes a routine. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's basically a medical procedure. So we treat it as such. Well, um, I know that you also, not only do you do the tattooing needle, the electric um, needle, you also do a different type of ancient tattooing. What is that? Uh, yeah, I was brought into Japanese uh, traditional hand poke tattooing, which is known as tabori, ta meaning hand, bori meaning engraved. And uh, it's still practiced in Japan, although most tabori artists use machine as well. Uh, but it's basically uh, a form of putting pigment out of the skin just by using uh, a hand poke method. Is, does that take longer, I would suspect? I would say the most proficient tabori practitioners are nearly as efficient as anyone with a machine, uh, but in general, you can imagine it taking a little longer. However, it tends to hurt a little less, believe it or not. Really? Oh, because yeah. does it go as deep? Uh, it's a different technique, but if you can imagine uh, a tattoo machine runs at about three to 400 strokes per second, whereas best I can figure Tabori is maybe 10 strokes a second. So it's not poking through the skin nearly as, as uh, fast, and the technique really delivers more of a pigment load per stroke through the skin. So you're putting more pigment in through stroke, per stroke. So technically, uh, in that regard, it's a little more gentle. Well, I have noticed, and I want to give a kudos to Tony also, on my tattoos, um, I've had so many people come up and say, oh, your colors are so beautiful. And I tell them how long I've had them. And they said, really? I've had to have so many touch-ups. So... Um, your colors always stay so vibrant. Um, well, as, as usual, checking out the neighborhood is just a taste of our neighbors. Um, Tony, if anybody is interested in talking with you, what do they do? How do they get a hold of you? Um, I'm, I answer uh, correspondence on Facebook and Instagram. I can give you my email. It's sinkorswimaz at yahoo.com. Um, I'm happy to correspond there, or the, really the best way to do it is if you're in the neighborhood, stop down and say hi. Are there hours for Holdfast? Um, I'm usually there Monday through Friday and a lot of Saturdays, like noon to eight. Okay. We're usually there before that and usually there after that, but usually noon to eight. Uh, we're closed Sundays. Okay. okay. Anything, Michelle? No, I think that's it. This has she, been fantastic. She's going to be drawing her little cherry blossoms in a few minutes. Well, I know my way around cherry blossoms. Nice. <laughs> That's for sure. Nice. Well, my next one is the raven. I want my raven. So. <laughs> I'll hold you to it. <laughs> well, 
thank you, Tony, so much for taking, you know, a few minutes to um, talk with our patrons from Prescott Valley Public Library and being a neighbor in our neighborhood. Yeah, thanks for welcoming. Uh, proud to be literal neighbors and uh, neighbors downtown. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Thank you so much. Thank you, thank people. Thank you so much. Thank you for um, listening. If you want to contact either Michelle or myself, give the library a call, 928-759-3040. Or if you have a suggestion for someone to talk with, a neighbor that is unique like Tony, um, please give us a call. We would love to do that. Again, thank you for listening. For Prescott Valley Public Libraries, checking out the neighborhood. Thanks for joining Prescott Valley Public Library's new podcast series, Checking Out the Neighborhood. Make sure you listen to next month's episode where Michelle and Deborah will introduce you to another great neighbor. You will not want to miss our conversation. Remember to listen and then share our podcast with your friends, family, and of course, neighbors. Have a great day.